walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? It's your boy. The hardest part of the ring. Known by my uncle and my cats and Barack Obama as Kyle and we are here today welcome to the apron pump by the way I'm so rude so rude of me not to not to welcome you here but boy howdy suck me off and call me Bertha we have a quite a show today covering a little uh something called progress wrestling big two zero progress Chapter 20. Man, oh man. What a show we got for you today. Uh, big show for progress, of course. A milestone event. Uh, roughly three years into their uh, their journey as a wrestling company. And uh, we've seen the company evolve. If you've been following, following my recaps, which by the way, if you are not, go to apronbump.com. And go to the Episodes tab at the top and select Progress Wrestling. And that'll bring you to all of the chapters that I have covered thus far. Starting from Chapter 1 all the way up until now. Chapter 20. And it's been a fun ride. And we got a culmination on this episode. Uh, If you've been following the past few chapters, which in real time is the damn near year, two years, something like that. Uh, the biggest story in progress has been, well, for one, the champion, Jimmy Havoc, who, uh, at this point has reigned as champion for 609 days. Nice. While he's had challengers come and go, there's one guy that's stood in front who's been the biggest threat to his title, and that's Mr. William Ospreay. So that is the main event of this show. It was set up at the last chapter. It's a no disqualification match between the champion Jimmy Havoc and Will Ospreay. And it's something special. I'll just say that. No spoilers here, but good golly, Miss Molly, it's some good stuff there. But we also on this show, uh, we got Noam Dar's final progress match, which is crazy to me. It seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, But it makes sense because they kind of, and we'll talk about this in the episode, but they kind of set it up. At the last chapter, but some shenanigans happened and we got a different thing. That was the most that was the worst attempt at a at a at a tease that I've ever done in my life. And uh, I've once stripped teased before, so that's saying a lot. But 
Um, so Noam Dar is gone, I guess. Uh, we got a Thunder Bastard match, the second ever, and uh, this, is the, this is some good stuff there. Um, lots of stars in that match, and a lot of and Bubblegum's back. Aren't, aren't we all having fun? Aren't we all glad to see Bubblegum again? Me and my guest, we we fight over this, but he he almost turns me around. But I still I still think I'm in the anti bubblegum camp. But we'll see, we'll see. But speaking of my guest, who is he? Who who is your guest? Hardest part of the ring, Ross from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, returning to the show. Uh, one of my uh, go to experts in progress. Uh, hilarious dude, great podcast, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny group of blokes over there. Uh, wrestling should be fun. Go check out the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow them on Twitter at WSB Fun, right? Yeah, at WSB Fun. Follow them on Instagram at Wrestling Should Be Fun, all one word. All their info in the description below, as always. But a really good group of guys over there. Uh, we'll, we'll be having Dom from the same podcast on in a future episode. So uh, they're kind of my farm system for uh, Englishmen. So uh, that was just a weird sentence to say. I'm sorry. But anyways, we're here. We're queer. Let's get to it. Progress Wrestling Chapter 20 with myself and Ross from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Yeah, um, I'm in a situation now where I have to go in two days a week, which I'm not happy about. <laughs> that, yeah, I've pretty much the same thing. Actually, it's three days a week I have to go in, which is like, man, I, I should be happy about it. But ever since I was working from home every day, it's like every time I have to go in, it's like, man, I guess there's coal miners and shit out there. So I, how, how, how can I complain, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael Cole fans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they have it the worst. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. But uh, there's no Michael Cole here. <laughs> so, yeah, man, did you, get a, did you get a chance to check out Chapter 20? I did. I did. It was very nostalgic for me. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty landmark show for them. Um, I think well, it was Chapter 15 that we, we last spoke. I think it was 15 that, that we did, yeah. And I've watched all of your um, other ones. Um, okay, awesome. I tend to only really watch the progress ones because I'm only into progress. Like, <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I did just watch your vengeance show, uh, 2002. So I'm very much in the mold of, uh, watching lots of Al Wilson videos now. <laughs> <laughs> did I get you all hot and bothered? <laughs> is that a porn hub category? It probably is. If it exists, then, I mean, there's go, porn then. about it. What a way to go. <laughs> if I had to pick away, It'd be having intercourse with Don Marie. So fair play to him. Fair play to him. Uh, but anyways, so wrestling, right? Uh, but yeah, actually, I, I did actually want to get your thoughts quickly on um, the first super, fuck, super strong style, right? I always yeah. get that wrong. Super yeah, strong style 16. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have uh, we have it returning here in a little bit for progress. But uh, were you, I guess, were you in attendance for the first one? Because I know you go to a lot of these shows. Yeah, so I was, at, I was in attendance for the show that we're about to talk about. And for Super Strong Style, I was in attendance for the first show, the, the day one. And then day two, I had a family thing to go to. So I didn't go to t- the day two. Mm. But I brought my, my now wife along to day one. And she fucking hated it. She spent most of it 
it like just waiting by this one table that's in the ballroom and being like is it over yet and i keep on telling her like oh, no that was one of the best shows that i've ever been to and you were just like nah not for me <laughs> yeah. yeah that was because that was a fairly long show like for progress at least yeah. at the time i don't know if they would go on and have longer shows or whatever but but yeah it was good stuff man it had like because it, it had this like aura about progress because they're still a relatively new company at this point i guess they're three years into it but um yeah some of the biggest stars in the world, like Roddy Strong and Tommaso Ciampa. And then, of course, you have guys like Walter and like the, the progress regulars there. So that was uh, it was a fun time. You said it was one of the your favorite shows at yeah. the time. Um, I massively I'm with you on the, um, in day one in, in particular. Roderick Strong stole the show, didn't he? What an absolute star. Yeah, it's a wonder because I always people always say like Roddy Strong, he's like, just a wrestler like he's just a really good wrestler with no charisma and like i, I get it in a sense he's not very good on the mic like he, he never has been which is fine but he, he has like this like and we've seen it like in it, the recent nxt uk stuff he's done when he's like being a dick like he's, he's hilarious if he wants to be just with his mannerisms and i thought that really sh- shined like during this time period because i think he was doing like all the heel stuff yeah me and, like, and PWG um, and ring of honor right me and 90s mike from wrestling wrestling should be firm went to that taping and they and they don't ever announce who's like there and they, and they just put it up on the screen at the start it's like these these are the matches and then they put like dragon versus strong and we were like what <laughs> <That'd be good. laughs> excuse me <laughs> it's so <laughs> random but it was it was awesome yeah it, it was really awesome um but chapter 20 so now we're here for uh the 20th edition of progress uh roughly three years after their inception uh, I guess in general, overall thoughts on the show. You said it was pretty nostalgic. Did it live up to uh, what you remember? Yeah, so I remember this show um, seemingly in a blur between this this Osprey Habit match and the previous one with the cut ring rope. Um, uh-huh, right. For some reason, they blend together for me. Um, but yeah, watching back, absolutely loved it. Obviously, it's super kind of based around the main event. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the card is absolutely fine, and I, and, I, and I really enjoyed it, but it's all about the main event on this show, isn't it? For sure. I mean, even like, because it's the, the last two matches between the main event and the Thunder Bastard match. I mean, that's all your stars right there. So it's a very top-heavy show, and the rest of the show is, like you said, it's fine. There's, there's some good stuff there, but it's you got some weird uh, characters there, and we'll get into it. But um, yeah, the main event, like you said, this show is really built around uh, the Progress Championship match in the main event. So Jimmy Havoc versus Will Ospreay. And um, I mean, because th- last time we spoke, that was kind of like the beginning of this whole arc. That was when Ospreay was really getting momentum. He had the whole moonsault off the barricade spot. And ever since then, like you said, he had the uh, the title match against Havoc when the rope was cut, the top rope, so he couldn't do the 630. And then the whole uh, the Thunder Bastard stuff and... Um, the, the Havoc just continuing his reign, a 609-day reign at this yeah. point. So he's been champion for, I think they said on he's, he's, his reign is longer than all the other champions combined re- yeah, reigns. Yeah. So, yeah. so the majority of Progress's uh, existence, he's been champion, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but as far as Havoc and Osprey, where do you think this, this feud ranks like to this day among like the feuds that have ever happened for this company? Number one. Really? Easy. That easy, easy, huh? Number one. Um, obviously, um, 
it's it's nostalgia. It's the first big storyline of progress. So that so I'm bound mm-hmm. to be like the the first one is the best one. Like every arsehole music fan that only likes the debut album. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but for me, this this is perfect storytelling. Um, and I love the fact that progress, even on their um site, they kind of put the chapters in like uh in like pa- in like packages, and yeah. Chapter one to chapter twenty is like whether like yep that's where the chap where like the first era of progress finishes and then we're on to the next era. It's quite interesting because we kind of first spoke. I think chapter nine was it. Um, I believe so. Yeah. The the like very start of Jimmy Hill um, of Jimmy Havoc's heel turn, and here mm-hmm. we are at chapter twenty when um, his title reign finally comes to an end and the progression yeah. of both Havoc and Osprey from where they were on chapter nine to here unbelievable yeah it's it's just been so organic like it's it's sometimes because i'm watching these like so like rapidly that i forget how like how long that has been it's been about it's been several years it's only been like 10 or 11 chapters so um yeah osprey you can see like his like he's his progression from the early days i think it's one of his first matches was against mark andrews and he was so like he's still like in chapter 20, Will Ospreay's still very much like the high flyer guy, he's still kind of skinny, but even he's he's like bulked up even since we first saw him in progress. And you can like start to see like where he is today. Cause right today he's still he's still high flying, but he has a lot more like elements to him. He's got, you know, the striking, the power moves, and the the, the charisma. Very different charisma nowadays, obviously, because he's, he's uh, one of the biggest dicks in wrestling. But um yeah. It's, it's just good stuff here, man. But um, before that, we got some, uh, we got quite a card. So in the opening match is Noam Dar versus Pastor William Ever. Jesus is here, everybody. You a Jesus fan? Yeah, very much so. Um, he was he was a he was a big character around this time for Progress fans. Um, someone that you could really get behind. One. One of the guys that was trained from from the Projo, um, so obviously the crowd got behind all those guys. We'll speak about someone else later in the show from the Projo that um, played a part in the storyline. Um, and yeah, the personal Jesus theme music, the look, the, the like <laughs> move set. Um, people just loved him, um, and I can see why they were quite clever here actually, because obviously this was supposed to be. Um, Mastiff versus Noam Dar after the uh-huh. uh, super strong style um, storyline that, that they went down with the kind of like um, Dave Mastiff being a being a bastard, which is what it says on his pants. He is a bastard. Um, uh-huh. the, the Noam Dar. Um, and they were quite clever here because obviously this is Noam Dar's last ever show for progress, um, which is a bit of a right. weird one because uh, I think it's like another year until he is like that he turns up on the Cruiserweight Classic. So I'm I need to look into that, but I'm not sure if he was just doing the like Scottish Indies for a bit or what, like what exactly happened there. Yeah. Um, I actually, I did a little bit of research on it, just the Wikipedia. And I know he was doing some stuff with what culture at around this time. And I know he did some stuff with TNA apparently. I don't know if it was the British boot camp or if it was anything beyond that. Oh, but yeah, yes. like you said, it's like a year. Right. He did do the, yeah. uh, the, the TNA boot camp. Yeah. I guess as, as far as I know, that's all he did. But yeah, it's, it's still, we're still like a year from him debuting in, yeah, so he was obviously uh, in WWE. Part, he was obviously part of the like main event scene for a long time in progress. 
and, and to have yeah. him come out in the first match, get his big pop in it with his um, Adidas zip jacket on and Oasis playing and, and everyone loving him. And obviously at, yeah. at, at this time, nobody knew that he was leaving. Um, and it's a big upset win for Believer to win this match. <laughs> uh-huh. You love Believer, right? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. <laughs> But like, I just love the fact that they kind of like thought on their feet and were like, okay, so we can't do the storyline send off that, that we wanted to do for Noam Dar and Massive, but here's an opportunity to put someone over that's lower down on, on the right. card and having them beat someone like like Dar. So I think from a from a, book, a booking standpoint, I absolutely love this. Yeah, yeah, it was very interesting because uh, like I, I had no idea this was his last match until the end, which kind of alluded to it, but. Yeah, like you said, it was supposed to be Dar versus Mastiff, which uh, at the last chapter it was set up um, because they've kind of been costing each other matches. And uh, in the super strong style, Dave Mastiff, I guess, gave Dar a concussion. And there was a beef there because, oh, you wouldn't let up. But then Mastiff was like, oh, you wouldn't want me to let. It was the whole thing. So they were kind of setting. It looks like they were trying to establish like an important match for Dar's last match. I don't know if they knew at that point or not. Um but yeah, unfortunately, that couldn't happen. So uh, that was all for naught. But yeah, like you said, a good, a definitely a good uh, decision to uh, build up an, an up and comer, an up and a pro Joe graduate, and, and Bill Lever here. Yeah. But um, and you know, you got Jesus versus a Jew. So there's some storyline <laughs> aspects there we can come up with. No, in isn't um, it? <laughs> but, yeah, I think Dar even yells something about how he's Jewish. Do Jewish? So fuck you or something. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> But yeah, uh, um, yeah it's, it's a solid match. I love that at the start, why they do the handshake to like prove that they're both um, babyface um, and so that the fans can just <laughs> enjoy the match and, and have their chance and stuff so that like there's no need to kind of get angry like they, like, like they would with Nathan Cruz or, J- or Jimmy Havoc. So it's like a good time match. Right. And the first thing that they do is the handshake and then he turns it into making uh, Noam Dar do the prayer sign. And then he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been duped. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I mean, progress fans, they're always going to be chanting shit all, all the time. But with Dar and Bill Ever, these are two of the guys. <laughs> you got Dar, 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 like all the yep. chants with Dar and then Jesus. I mean, that writes itself. So kind of just the matches in the backdrop, honestly, in, in some ways. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, like you said, really upset. I had no, I did not expect this at all. But because Dar is kind of dominating a lot of the match, uh, at some point he like kicks Jesus off the top rope and then attacks the leg majority of the match. Uh, but a clothesline from heaven from Ever gets the win out of nowhere. So uh, Bill Lever wins, and then Noam Dar gets up. He leaves and he grabs a shirt that has like Chapter One on it. So I thought oh, that was weird. And he's like waving. It's like, oh, shit, is this is this no, is Noam leaving? Because I, I was really into Noam Dar and his progress for what he felt like a big deal. Even yeah. nowadays, I, I love Noam Dar. It's like, oh, I, shit, that's it. I thought <laughs> I was hoping his run would be longer. But uh, yeah, he's, I guess with the Cruiserweight Classic and stuff coming up, there wasn't there's bound to not be that much star in progress. But yeah, yeah it was um, like you said, kind of a lack, not lackluster, underwhelming, maybe exit. But I guess, you know. What else is there for him to do there? He's already had a title shot and it's been involved in the main event stuff. So, but for what it was, I enjoyed this. It, it, it very much felt like, even though he was like, what, 22 at the time, he, like he very much yeah. knew that like, yeah, I'm saying bye to progress, but I'm on to bigger and better things. Like he knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
two of my favorite things from this match actually were um, the fact of seeing him wrestle as a babyface again after a long time. Because as soon as he joined WWE, pretty much they made him a heel, didn't they? And he's pretty much not not been a face since. Um, and whilst like he's very charismatic and he does things that make me laugh almost every week on NXT UK, he's still mm-hmm. he's still a heel with Shah Samuels. Um, so right. just him be a babyface here was like just an absolute joy. Like he's just a really likable dude. Um, I don't, I, yeah. I don't quite understand why they've had him heal so long. I think he's due a babyface turn at some point. Um, and my second favorite yeah. thing was, uh, did you notice the um, the like bar of feedback that randomly came over the PA and everyone was like, "Oh, something's happening," but then it was just, <laughs> yes, it was clearly something just went wrong, and then everyone started singing ch- um, CM Punk chants for the cult of personality. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it was like like the beginning of CM Punk's music. <laughs> that happened like a, a few, during a few matches. I don't know what the hell is going yeah. on back there, but people get yeah. excited. You know, maybe, maybe they need a new soundboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God. the budget's increasing. Hopefully, so maybe one day they'll get a they'll get a new one. But um, yeah, man. So, but yeah, Noam Dar he came in because I remember watching his debut in WWE, and at the time I had no idea who. Noam Dar was, and I believe he debuted in Scotland, right, or somewhere over there, um, or somewhere where they knew him, because I yeah. he came out on Raw to like a huge pop, and I was like, the fuck is Noam Dar? <laughs> so, but now with hindsight, now that I've seen his his journey, like I need to go back and watch it because uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's good shit. Yeah, he was obviously um, huge in the British like independent scene for for like those two three years, mm. and it seemed like he was going to be one of the like had he stayed. There's every chance that he could have been a Will Ospreay or a Jimmy Havoc, really, with with progress. Yeah, yeah, so versatile, so so charismatic. He could be a great, a, a good babyface, a good heel. So, um, but yeah, he's in NXT UK, so his job's probably safe for now. <laughs> Going back just briefly, Carl, um, what's your view on um, the new commentary team? Thank you. I meant to bring that up, but I forgot. So yes, the new uh, commentary team. It's no longer what was it, Jim Barnett? Jim Barnett is dead. It was, it was let out that he's died. <laughs> Man, that's rest in peace, Jim Barnett. We hardly knew ye. But yes, the uh, the new commentary team, Glenn Joseph, who is the co-owner of Progress, and a friend of the apron bump, RJ Singh. So this, this, uh, these two guys uh, are on commentary, doing live commentary now, so they have a gold table set up. Um, I thought their commentary was good. I thought the audio was a bit wonky. At times, but obviously not their fault. But um, as far as the commentary goes, I thought it was solid. I don't know. What do you think about it? Yeah, um, it's obviously a big improvement in terms of what you would expect from a commentary compared to Jim Barnett, um, who, who we spoke spoke (laughs) about in the previous ones, that he was going for that kind of Gordon Soley, like kind of muted commentary vibe. Right. which, which, Which is fine for... NWA in 1980, but for like it, independent wrestling in 2015, yeah. it kind of just felt a bit out of place. Um, <laughs> Glenn, um, Glenn in particular, um, he was quite understated here. Um, the mm. longer that he gets into his commentary role, um, he was quite well. He was quite well known in um, the British wrestling scene as as someone that was just a kind of a shouter on commentary. Um, there was there was. Really? A, <laughs> There was a meme that that like went around of a picture of him on the on the commentary desk that just had the subtitle of Glenn screams. (laughs) (laughs) 
Good to know. Hopefully, because every time they like got loud, like the the audio would clip. So other than that, so hopefully they figure that out before he starts screaming all the time. (laughs) Yeah, you'll notice that moving forward now. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank thank you for that. (laughs) I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to is uh, bubble gum. So uh, (laughs) we're gonna have a fight about him. I can tell that we're gonna have a fight about him. Yeah, yeah. You, you uh, are you a bubble gummer? I'm a bubble gummer, not as a person, <laughs> but as a wrestling character. <laughs> okay, you know what? That's, I guess that's fair because like bubble gum. Um, for anybody who's unaware of of bubble gum, he's 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 Fred Durst on uh on on somebody with that's in good shape. So he has abs, but he has the face of Fred Fred Durst. He's kind of he's like a, a little bit of Val Venus, a little bit of um, no, Rick Rue. I don't know. He's he comes out here. He has a man Manchester City, right? Uh, yeah. Kit, Kit, Jersey. Kit. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, but yeah, he comes out with a Man City shirt and a hat, and he, he walks out there and he just keeps sticking his hand into his trunks and then pulling them out, throwing up the two fingers. He just does it over and over again. Like, God, and, and like his hands must smell atrocious. And at some point, he sticks his hands in one of the guy's mouths. It's like, tell, tell me about this bubble gum and why you're his number one fan. Um, well, last time, well, not last time that we, um, oh no, yeah, last time that was on, I was a big fan of sticks and you couldn't quite understand the sticks thing. And then you watched uh-huh. him on the next match and you were like, and you started to come around to him a bit. So I'm hoping that I can, t- that I can turn him into a. <laughs> Let's see. Challenge accepted. <laughs> um, so basically, Bubblegum is someone that in British culture, everyone knows this guy. He like he probably is a laborer. He like he probably has many kids that he doesn't know um that he's got. Mm-hmm. He's like he's he's a working class guy, but he quite likes to show off that he's like that that he's got things. Um he's like he's seedy. He's he's that person that could potentially steal your girlfriend for one night and then brag about it to you for the rest of your night. Like he's he's just an odious bloke that everyone knows someone like him. And in wrestling, those those sorts of characters don't really exist in in British wrestling. And I just love the fact that he did exist for that small amount of time. And it's so Mm -hmm. different to I first saw Bubblegum wrestle in like 2007, something like that up in Wigan in the north of England. And he was playing a character that's kind of Mark Andrews, kind of like he had, um, he had like peroxide blonde hair. He had like big, bright clothes on, happy, smiley, do all the flips. And then he turns up in progress and I'm like, what happened to Bubblegum? But he was so much more memorable in this character than he was in his previous one for me. And in this match, you had Wild Boar come out to kind of like okay applause as, as a face. Ashmore came out to an okay applause from as a face. Webster got the monster pop as the baby face as he's kind of the number one contender mm-hmm. and the guy that they're pushing. But none of them got a reaction quite like Bubblegum got. And when I go to live wrestling, that's what I love. Like the kind of guys that you kind of, yeah, like, yeah, they're fine. Like I don't get much from them. But someone like Bubblegum, I can mm. get behind and shout and swear at him for 20 minutes and feel great about myself. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a fair point. No, yeah, he's very uh, polarizing, I guess, would be the word for it. I, guess I don't think he's one direction, really. I just, 
I just think that he's a straight up dickhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just one poll then. But uh, I have a question. What, what is a rent boy? Okay, so this is something that I'm not a fan of. Um, so, <laughs> so a rent boy is like um, uh, slang used in Britain for, for like a male prostitute uh, that's someone mm. who tends to um, be someone that would be used in like a, hom- in like a homosexual way. So it's quite a homophobic chant, really. Um, it's quite a funny right. chant because it's to the tune of Dizzy Rascal, but uh-huh. the sentiment behind it's not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just asking for it with his entrance music. So it just goes yeah. with the beat so well. Like, what, are they going to not chant it? <laughs> right there in front of them. It's right there in front of them. <laughs> it's 2015, such a different time, you know? So I think I was probably in that crowd chanting that, but like looking back on it, I'd be very embarrassed about it. Cancel Ross Casey from wrestling should be fun. He's homophobic. He hates both. <laughs> but uh, man, so yeah, it's a four-way match here. Spot way. So it's Bubblegum versus Wild Boar versus Flash Morgan Webster versus Kyle Ashmore. So a couple uh young, well not maybe not younger, but lower on the card, I guess. I guess Morgan Webster, he's like you said, he's the number one contender. He won the national progression series. Uh, natural progression series and then wild boar he had been away from progress for a while but he's back here uh match match is pretty fun i mean because everyone's on the same page and hating bubblegum so and bubblegum knows it so he's in there he like it's like distracting everybody with his gyrations and his yeah. smelly hand and then he like gets he like surprises everybody gets like a shot in on everybody but then everybody gangs up on him and just shits on him yeah. Um, yeah, so he's kind of out the ring for about half this match, isn't he? After like a three-on-one <laughs> down at the start. <laughs> he is, he is. But uh, he gets back in there. There's like, there's like a, a handspring kick by Bubblegum, very Tajiri-esque. So he's, cool. he's pretty impressive. Yeah, like I noticed that you kind of, um, in the previous one, like you weren't really into his wrestling style. But I was, but I was watching this thinking, Carl's probably going to like his wrestling in this at least. Like I thought it was quite a, quite a good showcase for him. Yeah, no, no, he is. He definitely it's almost like um, his character kind of overwhelms his wrestling ability to me a little bit. But like once you know the bell rang, it was uh, you know, it was it was fun, especially with everybody. They're all kind of cruiserweight ish. So it was a very uh, fast paced match, a little botchy at some points. But um, like a, <laughs> Kyle Ashmore, he goes for like a deadlift suplex and then he like can't get him. So he just says, fuck it and does something else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Webster flying around. He does like a crazy like a Paul London like sent on to the outside where he like steps up on the ring post and flips into the aisle. Yeah. Uh, you got wild, wild boar at some point he pulls down Bubblegum's tights, exposing his asshole. Um, so he's, so that's a thing for a little bit. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and at some point, uh, wild boar. And I believe Kyle Ashmore hit a Meltzer driver onto Bubblegum like with a package pile driver and then, uh, but Webster comes off the top of the 450 to break up the pin and pins bubblegum for the win. So flash gets the win here and, uh, yeah, we got a title shot in his future. It seems like, so yeah, yeah I was thoughts um, on this. I said, uh, I said to you, I thought that, that, that the match itself was really fun. Um, as you said that there was a few little mishaps in there. Um, but I love the fact that even with quite a uh, not, not, I wouldn't call the progress crowd hostile, but they're definitely keen to chant shit. So 
when they got stuff yeah. wrong, it's quite nice that they didn't do the like you fucked up thing. They were just kind of like silent for a bit and then like they waited and then they pulled it out with the reverse Rana to get the crowd back into the match, yeah, against, yeah. which is quite cool. Um, but I was thinking about it. Um, how do you feel about Babyface Webster winning the way that he did in a booking way? Because I'm kind of like, War had the had the win, then he did like a move, mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of a blindside move, isn't it? And then roll him out of the way, and then like it, like it's almost like like if a hill did it, it would be like a low blow and then do it. But obviously, this is a four fifty, so it's quite a cool right. baby face. But it, it, like I, it's quite an like I kind of feel like it could, like it could have just been a straight up pin on Bubblegum. Yeah, I'm with you in a sense. I also because it's. A fatal four ways. So there's so many moving parts in the match that you kind of got to get every you have to take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself. So it's sometimes you just have to, it, that that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. So I guess that's yeah. kind of how I felt about it. Like because in a fatal four way, like if you think of it in like a kayfabe sense, it's so hard to get an opportunity. Like, I don't know if you play WWE 2K, but it's such yeah. a pain in the ass when you're in a multi-man match and you have to get everybody out of the ring and then make the pin. Yeah. So that's kind of what I felt Webster's uh, thought process yeah. was here. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and my other big takeaway was um, obviously bu- um, Bubblegum putting his hand down his uh, pants again. There was a point where he uh, put his hand on his pants and then put it straight into the, I think it was Ashmore's face and just said, say cheese, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> oh, man. That Bubblegum, man. Never change. Never change. Yeah. He's, he's, he's exactly what you would expect. <laughs> So the next time that you see Bubblegum on on this podcast, I, w- I want you to hopefully uh, like him a little bit more. <laughs> I'll, I'll come in with a more open mind. I'll try to uh, stop looking at his his crotch and his his V taper into his pubes. Like I'll, I'll I'll try to ignore that and just focus on the grapples. Yeah, I promise you, I'll do it for you. Just don't look into his um, personal life. <laughs> yeah, that, that's perp. These aren't people. These are just wrestlers. They don't have lives. oh man you got you kind of have to watch it that way when you're watching old progress but yeah that's true um but man we got a couple geezers in this next match so we got uh the natural progression series the third version of it uh kicking off here so we got damien dunn right damien dunn or or dune damien dunn versus (laughs) sebastian of course, accompanied with Tom Irvin. So, uh, so now I'm familiar now with what a rent boy is. Can you can you inform me on what a geezer is? So a geezer is like an a team of a term of endearment to to someone uh-huh. who's to like a kind of a what's it like a like a popular kind of um, rascal. I would say like someone who like you know. Yeah, he's a like like he's like he's a bit naughty, but 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 we like that about him. He's a geezer. Uh huh. Yeah, I think have have I brought up to you my my love of the show Love Island? You have in past shows, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was like one of their first seasons. There was this guy that kept calling people geezers. You know, oh I don't know. Oh, this guy's big geezer. Like he talks like that. I don't know where what part of Europe that's from, but <laughs> uh, but I'm like these guys aren't. Oh, because in America, that means an old person. Does it but really? I was, okay. I was confused. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what? So why is he calling him a geezer when he's 25 years old? But apparently, yeah, like you said, it's just uh, so I've, I've become accustomed to it through watching 
uh, the reality show Love Island. So right. I, I was not completely in the dark, but I just wanted to get your uh, make sure, get you to clarify for me, so yeah. so that I can follow the storyline. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, because this match was storyline heavy. <laughs> oh, super! Yeah, because you have uh, there's there's some geezers here, right? And then you got Damien, who uh, <laughs> ah, so I don't know much of anything about Damien Dunn. I don't know if he went on to do anything significant after this, but he felt very uh, generic, I guess would be the word. Yeah, so this is another wrestler who, on your journey on watching progress from chapter one, I'm sure that you've seen characters that, that start off as generic and then be, and then find themselves and then blossom, similar to um, Zach Gibson, right? for example. Yes, um, yes. Uh, so this is where Damien Dunn is the number one Damien Dunn. And it is generic as hell. You're absolutely right. It doesn't set him apart at all. Um, he only mm-hmm. becomes a thing in Brit Rest, really, when he becomes part of the anti-fun police, which is the exact opposite of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys got heat with them. So basically, yeah, it was like a rehash of um, right to censor, I guess. But rather than kind of a corporate group that were trying to silence people they were actual uh, like an actual police squad uh-huh that like had powers um using their like policing and um, there was a guy called santos jr who's one of our absolute favorites who becomes his tag team partner who uses handguns in his matches which is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> i almost don't even want to watch the next chat i just want you to describe them to me very quickly <laughs> I feel like that's just as entertaining. Is, is is Michael Gilbert a part of this faction by any chance? Um, on the independence, he he may have done because because it, it was one of those characters that if he was booked and you had a wrestler that didn't really have anything to, to do, it was like yeah, go and be in the the anti fun police for the night. <laughs> right, <laughs> man. Including actually, just about two years ago, Walter was in it, which was amazing. Was he now? That's. <laughs> Fantastic. I would have not guessed Damien Dunn and Walter would have been in the same circle, but there you go. <laughs> that's, that's how things progress. I guess that's why they call it progress, huh? Or regress for Walter. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, it's Gunther, by the way. How dare you? Um, so, yeah, we got so two, I guess, pro Joe guys here in the Natural Progression Series. Um so Sebastian, I guess, because him and Tom Irvin are part of the uh, Geezers tag team. Sebastian's, I guess, kind of a soccer player, I guess, is what he's going. He has like the tight the compression shirt. Yeah. So it, so it's in particular, it's a Cristiano Ronaldo shirt, but with Sebastian on the back, not Ronaldo. Uh, I see. I see. That's and fun. That's fun. He tries, and, and he has like a signature goal celebration. That he that, that uh, he does, and that's what he was attempting to do at the start when Damien attacks him, and that sets apart the heel face narrative because Damien Dunn comes out to generate music, and nobody quite knows if he's a heel or face. So it's that awkward kind of hey, <laughs> let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> so when he he like does that, it like it obviously shows that it's heel or face. Mm-hmm. Well. um... So Sebastian, so the match is what it is. A pretty, it's a decent match. You know, nothing to, to write home about, I would say. But uh, at some point, Sebastian hits a spear. He gets a two count. And then he goes under the ring and pulls out some scissors from under the ring. And now, for, from the progress that I've watched, 
I've been conditioned to think that if somebody pulls out something sharp from under the ring, they're going to stab their opponent in the face with it. So that's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, was not the case here. He just uh, cuts the turnbuckle pad off with the scissors. And um, does that even come into play? I don't even think the exposed turnbuckle comes into play, does it? Um, it does, because when um, when the referee is dealing with that, um, Dunn does a move that he has him for like a like a visual pin, but the referee's messing about. So it mm. kind of goes like even though it was him that, that was trying to utilize it, it goes not in his favor. Right, right. Um, at some point, the geezers they do the waza headbutt. So Tom Irvin gets involved here. I think they call it the copyright infringement driver. That's correct. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> the, um, the geezers like 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 the whole idea behind the geezers is that like re- like they were a little bit wrestling to be fun in a way where they were just very much like let's just do all the things that 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 wrestling fans love. So they did the waza up. They did the stunners. Yeah. They've got the three sixteen rip um, rip off shirts. They're all about kind of mm. like nostalgia. Let's get all the stuff that we know gets pops. Like work rate in their like in their mind is like a dirty word. <laughs> like right. there, was, uh, <laughs> there was a bit where um, where Sebastian was trying to do like a in ring promo just through his actual voice and not have a microphone, but it's obviously a loud crowd at progress and people couldn't really hear him, and uh-huh. uh, it kind of fell like it fell flat. And then some guy just said. Do a move. <laughs> yeah. And then Tom Irvin, who obviously has a completely different thought process to most of the fans at Progress, just just said, have a day off. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's uh, it's cutting. That's cutting. You people over there in Europe just have you say the most simple things. But for some reason, it's just it's just brutal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's like. So Sebastian, he's like, yeah, like you say, he's cutting a promo, I guess, but without a mic. But the crowd's so overwhelming, <laughs> so he can't get it off. He just and then a the guy shouts at him, and it just deflates. It's like, oh yeah. man, poor Sebastian. <laughs> uh, but things get better for them, so they do the wazai headbutt, and of course, you can't just do that and not get tables. So Tom Irvin goes to get a table, uh, but inside the ring, Dunn hits a springboard lung blower for a two count, but then ultimately Sebastian. Hits the Geese TS. So it's like a powerbomb GTS kind of deal. And that gives Sebastian the win. And yeah, this match was pretty Geese if I if I had to say so. Yeah, it was. Um, it's quite interesting isn't it? because you had kind of the work rate match previous to that where it was like, let's do all the moves. And this one was very much kind of let's be very heel v face kind of um, mm-hmm. black and white in terms of the characters um and you had the good guy win um and 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 go through to the semi-final oh yeah nothing wrong with that yeah yes you know separating your matches having different styles and keeps the keeps the show flowing paces the show well so big fan of that kind of stuff um but then after that we got the progress tag team titles on the line we got the champions the sumerian death squad of course the team of michael dante and Tommy End versus the Hunter Brothers, Jim and Lee Hunter. I haven't seen the Hunters in a while. It's been a few years, I think, since they've been on a progress show. Um, I think because uh, this is the first time they well, I guess I think they've been on some Endeavor shows. But as far as the main chapters, they haven't been there since they've been at the Electric Ballroom. Yeah, so. Ballroom debut. 
Yeah. What did you think of the Hunter? <laughs> so the first one of the first Hunter Brothers matches I saw in progress, I, for some reason, this stuck with me. Jim Smallman on commentary s- described them as less cunty Drew McIntyre's. So that, okay. that's all I can think about when I see the Hunter Brothers. <laughs> but I yeah. guess, you know, so, semi-accurate. But um, to me, um, when I see the Hunter Brothers, I think of like Robbie Brookside, like not like 1992 era Brookside where he's got his right. really wet hair and his kind of like bog standard um, uh, um, outfit on. And the sort of wrestler that you kind of think, yeah, I can see them wrestling in front of 100 people in a village hall somewhere. And then they wrestle. Yeah. And actually, they could easily be way bigger, but they just seem happy to be like, this is what wrestling is, and I'm not going to change for it. I'm not going to have a character. I'm just going to be a good wrestler, and that's and that's what I'm happy with. And they pull it off. They absolutely rock this match, the Hunters. Yeah. It's, it's almost like if the Basham brothers were good. Like, <laughs> hey, we look alike. We're a tag team. It's yeah. kind of their deal. Yeah. But um, the Hunters just happen to be very good. <laughs> I kind of want to compare them to the Young Bucks, but they're not quite the Young Bucks. They're 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 fast paced. Like uh, I'm trying to think of a team like to compare them to. Uh, London and Kenjana. I don't know. Imagine like um, Pretty Deadly if you take off all of the mm. like fanciness. Yeah, no, actually, Pretty Deadly is a very good shout because they're kind of handsome-ish. I get they're they're trying to be. They kind of look like Joseph Connors a little bit. So yeah. they kind of have like the you know, the long hair, the the chiseled jaws, and all that shit. So yeah, big fan <laughs> of the hunters, but, uh, so, but so this, it's for the tag team titles, which for anyone unaware, the tag, the tag team titles are uh, a shield split in half, a little yin and yang deal. Uh, but apparently you can't take those shields through a TSA. So <laughs> the, uh, the Sumerian death squad who went back to, uh, where are they from? Um, Amsterdam. It's escaping me from Amsterdam. Uh, I guess they couldn't get, leave or come back whatever it was but apparently the shield got confiscated by tsa uh, tell me do they ever get the shield back or they finally just say hey let's have some belts do you want a spoiler or do you want to be surprised spoil spoil it for me okay so it's actually pretty cool so they they finally do get rid of the the, the shields but the belt that they create uh, is like a version of the old shield, so it kind of has the kind of like split, in, like the like main part of it right. is split in two, so it kind of still looks like the previous shields, but in belt form. It's quite cool. I like that. I do like that. So it's, it's kind of uh, embracing the the corniness of the original shields, <laughs> but it's like, hey, let's <laughs> yeah. come on, guys. We're we're three years in. Let's have a goddamn belt. Yeah, and and you're not forcing kind of. Um, non 300 pound wrestlers to awkwardly try and carry them after a grueling match and put them together (laughs) it looks so dumb like nobody can look cool even if there's anybody that can look cool it's the sumerian death squad and even they they win the titles last chapter they beat the origin and they just have these stupid gray shields over their head like oh like how many times can you do you i get it you have it so you can like do the whole dragon ball z let's put them together and then after you see it once it's like okay we get it how would you feel if in post they kind of had some kind of glitch lighting as they did it <laughs> huh now that is something that i can get behind maybe hey wwe vince if you're listening 
since we're unifying the tag team titles, let's Ooh. let's experiment. Let's let's get it. Let's get those shields or something because we, we've seen the lightning. We have all the 3D and all the 4D effects. Let's get some lightning for our championships. I don't think that's too much to ask as a fan. <laughs> Talking of those uh, championships, did you see that WWE UK tweeted um, a picture of the Usos holding the titles saying, who can stop them? And then we're like, oh, we've posted that quite early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Daylight savings time. I thought it was a different day. Don't worry. We've only got thousands of followers. I'm sure nobody saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kept it up. So maybe they're just like embracing it. Like, oh, we're, oh, it was just like, what if this would happen? You know? <laughs> I don't know. Now they're probably going to change it just to throw yeah. everybody off. To... <laughs> Plans change, pal. <laughs> yeah you know it does the hunter brothers come in it's a triple threat match now that i'm into <laughs> there we go there we go but uh yeah it's a fun match. any spots in particular stick out to you in this match i thought it was a pretty awesome match myself yeah absolutely brilliant match um i loved um my um overriding um thought of this match was the awesome camera shot of um tommy end kind of overbearing where um Lee Hunter is on his knees and he kind of knows that uh-huh. Tommy End is behind him and he's going to get kicked in the fucking jaw. And, the, and he kind of slowly <laughs> gets to his feet and he knows it's coming and he's like, I've got to turn around. I've got to turn around. <laughs> and then he gets up. To <laughs> that was my it's favorite. Very, very mid 90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like, there was about, um, I think both Hunters kicked out of the double stomp, right? I think they might have, yeah. And then it like, um, yeah. And then the like, but like both were like one where one where the other tag team member pushed them onto it to, to like save it, and then the other was like a two point nine kick out, and the crowd went crazy for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the false finishes in this match were really well done. Um, the Hunter brothers even break out the the big swing with yep. a kick. So it's like with Cesaro and Tyson. That's who I associated with, or like Chris Hero. I think they would do it too. Yeah, um, they did it really well here. Um, I say really well because I saw I just watched a Ring of Honor show where CM Punk tried to do it and he could not do a big swing. So okay. for anybody who was wondering if big, if CM Punk could do a giant swing, he cannot. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, there's uh yeah I mean you have Tommy End in there, Malachi Black. So he's throwing out all the kicks. There's one point where he like fakes a kick. So one of the hunters like bends over and then he like Tommy End like does like a roll like a Jackie Chan roll over him and then kicks the other one. The stuff yeah. like that is so smooth, like all the uh, transitions and all that stuff. A lot of fun double team moves. Uh, the Hunters at one point, they do like a neck breaker and the other guy comes off with a swanton from the top. Um, then they go that the Sumerian Death Squad, they go for the Black Mass, which at this point is not uh, Tommy End's kick. It's the, the double team, the suplex throw into a slam. Yeah. Um, but. Lee Hunter pulls out Michael Dante so they can't execute it. Hits a super kick. They do a splash and get a two count. So the Hunters, the Hunters almost get the win here several times. Um, double stomp by Tommy End. Lee Hunter breaks it up. But at the end, Tommy End, he just walks through like a bunch of strikes from the Hunters and hits knees on them. And then they hit the anti-hero for the win, which is basically Dark Order's finishing move, the fatality. It's essentially that. So really cool finish and the SDS get the win and like, yeah, just awesome match. Awesome match. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that by and large, I don't like 
Um, I speak about this all the time on our podcast that sometimes people put themselves into corners with face-to-face matches or he'll be heel and it doesn't work because the dynamic right. is just weird because the crowd doesn't quite know who to root for or you end up kind of turning someone not heel but like you're just basically taking popularity off one of your faces. I don't understand why you do it. But here it just worked because people love watching SDS just kick the shit out of people and that's right. not against, and that's not against the Hunter Brothers. It's not like kick those guys ass. It's just it doesn't matter who it is. We we're, we're going to like watching this. But I but, but I love the fact that in a face to face match the, the only dynamic that works for me is if you don't have any kind of inferiority. And the Hunter Brothers uh-huh. came into this match even though people didn't expect them to win. At no point did they come across like they were trying to hide from um, the like kicks of end or the power of Dante. They gave as good as they got. Um, even like I said, that spot where um, he kind of knows that he's about to get black masked. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. kind of just move out the way and like try and get away from it. He like he, he, he takes it on the chin. Like and that is a baby face moment, isn't it? You know. And yeah, I really like that with this match. Like the dynamic was great, the wrestling itself was great, and the crowd loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, because I mean, nobody's going to boo the SDS at this point. I mean, they're a super exciting tag team, really fun to watch. Um, The Hunters, I feel like you can kind of go either way with them. Like you can. Yeah, I could believe that they're the good guys, like when they had their matches against the London riots a little while ago. Um, In this case, they're like they're not jobbers by any means, but they're definitely the underdogs going into this match. So people are like, oh, let's go watch these guys get let's watch these punching bags get their shit kicked in uh but then they, they like start like oh wait these guys are good wrestlers because like like you said like they don't look like they're anything to be scared of but yeah. once they like get in the ring their actions speak for itself so as the match progresses you're like oh wait they might actually win this but then it's you see tommy and just walk through like these getting these taking all these shots and just just destroys everybody with his kicks and yeah yeah game over so yeah good stuff Something that we didn't mention actually at, uh, at the start was that SDS handed um, Smallman an IOU for the, <laughs> for the titles. So if they did lose, it was like an IOU. And then when um, when they won the match, Smallman gave it back to them, which is which is. <laughs> it's funny how these these big tattooed monsters coming out to this like brooding metal music, and then he just has like a little little piece of paper. Here you go. And Tommy's like shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> What are you going to do? We got to go through the airport, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so after that, we get a quick little uh, I guess it's like a trailer of sorts for uh, Ginny and Pollyanna. So I, I think it's like on I demand progress or something. I guess it's like. Yeah. So they, um, so they do kind of like small scale documentaries. on Right. On yeah. Yeah. They're uh, their street fight at Chapter 19 was uh, brutal, brutal. You have any uh, recollection of that or thoughts on that? So that was the sh- that was day two. Um, so I wasn't at that show, but I watched that's it. That's right. That's right. So I watched it on demand, and yeah, like scary in a way that um, it took nineteen chapters to have a, a women's match on the card. But once they were there, boy, yeah. did they, boy did they show up! No, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, because the women's, I mean, women's revolution, quote unquote. I mean, the WWE had been doing it for years before that. So, yeah, it's a wonder. I don't know if it's just maybe a cultural thing over there or not. Like, was women women's wrestling, did it just take a longer time to become a big thing? Or is it just progress yeah. being progress? Yeah, I think it was just a case of um, that, it, yeah, it, it was genuinely that we, did, that, that we didn't seem to have the opportunities given to the wrestlers previous to that. So they were, so they were coming from a real starting point. 
Yeah. Yeah. And they had been on Endeavor shows and stuff like that. So they were dipping their toes into it. But I think once uh, once once you have like all the like the four horsewomen running wild in WWE and like main event caliber matches, it's yeah. probably word got across the pond that, oh, these these gals can uh, people can get invested in them. And like I said, the street fight, I mean, was brutal. Crowd was into it. And obviously they would go on in the future to create stars like Tony Storm and all sorts of stuff. So. I absolutely love the line that, um, that Ginny said where she was like, I thought that um, she dressed awfully, but I thought it was because it was just training and cardio. And then when the match was announced, I saw her her outfit and I was disgusted. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like either it's two different interviews and they cut back and forth. It starts with Pollyanna. I forget exactly what she says, but she's kind of like building Ginny up. And yeah, telling her, really, like, yeah, it's basically just like, yeah, she really builds her up and says, like, she was a good trainer. She listened. And I thought that we'd get on. But the more that I got to know, I realized who she really is. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like this, like, prophetic, like, oh, like, oh, man, it just means so much to me. Then, and, you know, she was so good. She could have been so good. Like, it's very emotional. And it's because of Jenny. And she's like, her outfit was the shits. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Kind of similar to what her character is nowadays, so it's, she stayed yeah. consistent, which is, is funny. But yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a more like gritty version of her and other women's wrestlers, I suppose. But yeah, for sure. Um, the storyline moves kind of away from Pollyanna towards Tony Storm, and they have a pretty great feud. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, but someone that's not going to have a great feud is Ali Armstrong, because uh, apparently. And maybe you can shed some light on this because I know sometimes people they'll like retire from injuries and then they'll come back. But basically, Glenn Joseph uh, is in the ring and he announced. I guess he's good friends with Ali Armstrong. He announces that Ali he got an injury of some sort, tried to come back too soon, got injured again. Uh, so now he's Ali's basically deciding to step away from wrestling to focus on other things and. Um, but yeah, Ali Armstrong, what can you tell? Does he is is he retired to this day? I believe so, yeah. Um, real shame. Um, charismatic as well. Um, kind of yeah. kind of gave me a bit of a Grado vibe about his style of wrestling and his character. Right. Um, su- like super babyface. Um, had a fun kind of love-hate relationship going on with Glenn Joseph, as it was um, mentioned in the promo. Um, Glenn Joseph, obviously, is one of the three former owners of Progress, and he's... And and he's mm-hmm. actually a, a like West End actor, so I, so like when Basically. he was given so like when he was given the opportunity to show off a bit of his acting chops, I, like I, I always thought that he did quite like quite a decent job actually. Yeah, and he got a chance a little bit here, so they have an emotional moment, Glenn and Ali do, um, and then we hear the music of the origin. So Nathan Cruz makes his way to the ring. Glenn's like, oh, now's not the time. So uh, you have this, which is, by the way, it's funny. The or like the the intro to the origins music is so long. So this is like they're just looking at the ramp. And so Nathan Cruz eventually comes out and he's basically just talking shit about Ali. Oh, you run into one speed bump and you quit. And he's taught the crowd. He's shitting on the crowd and all that. So Glenn's like, all right, if you're going to be like that, I'm going to make you number one. You might be asking, number one and what? Well, the Thunder Bastard match, which is the next match. And uh, the Thunder Bastard. So for anyone unaware, 
basically a uh, was eight men. There's eight men in it and it's Royal Rumble rules, but you don't eliminate your opponent by throwing them over the top rope. It's your pinfall or submission. Um, so we got that there. It's a gauntlet style match. What what did you think of the, the this Thunder Bastard match conceptually? I really like it. Um, and if you saw the match where Pretty Deadly won the NXT titles, then you'd realize that they used the the uh, Thunder Bastard match because I'm pre- I'm I'm pretty sure that James Mormon's a big part of the NXT creative now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the gauntlet matches in general. I guess uh, TNA has done it a lot too. So. Definitely can be uh, used in a, a fun way to get people over, like even at a baby face, like an Iron Man kind of way or uh, like pretty deadly, <laughs> just coming in, picking the bone. So and this, and this is booked in a really smart way, wasn't it? Because um, that like there are so many kind of interwoven storylines, like um, yeah. so many former factions and former stablemates and all that sort of stuff playing it into this match. Yeah, the callbacks to former uh, factions, like you said, were uh, crazy in this match, but uh so Nathan Cruz is the first entrant. And then number two is Damon Moser, who uh, was originally a part of the origin. I guess he's not. Maybe I missed that because I know uh, what's Danny Garnell. So it was four of them. It was Nathan Cruz, Legero, Danny Garnell, Damon Moser. They kicked out Danny Garnell immediately for seemingly no reason. I don't yeah. remember them kicking out Damon Moser. I guess I th- did. Do you recall? how that happened it may have happened on an endeavor show but i think it was just kind of implied that once Garnell went it was kind of like yeah you two foot soldiers you suck (laughs) (laughs) you guys just have hoodies and black pants that means you can't be a part of our faction (laughs) but yeah because there was one point so when the origins match where they lost the tag team titles in the last chapter there was a point where the ref was down and damon moser got in and i think it was nathan cruz handed him a chair he's like hit him but then Moser was like, oh, I can't do it. And then he got taken out. And I guess, yeah, like you said, it's probably just implied that he doesn't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah. But uh, terrible hair on this Moser, though, I got to say. Like, he's, he's, he might be a nice fella. But God damn it, does he look like a jobber coming out here? <laughs> yeah, um, I've met him a few times. He is a, a lovely guy. Um, but at this yeah. particular point, how much does he look like John Cronus? Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, a less handsome version. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, Nathan Cruz, Damon Moser, former stable mates starting out this match here. Um, and then the third entrant, wouldn't you know it, it's Legero. So we got uh, an origin triple threat here, but, uh, Cruz and Legero gang up on Moser. But eventually Moser, he starts getting it. You know, he starts firing up. He's wrecking shit. He hits a pump handle knee driver on the Leggero. Uh, but Leggero and Cruz eventually start double. T- the numbers game takes advantage and they hit like a like a, a wheelbarrow DDT into an air raid crash by Leggero. So Moser gets eliminated and then out comes Rampage, who yeah. uh, boy, how does so he has. History with both. So we got what the first three progress champions right here. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Rampage always you can always throw him in here in a match and just have him destroy everybody, which is what he does. Huge yeah. power bombs for everybody. Literally his first two moves are power bombs. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if all oh, that's all I need from Rampage, a pile driver every now and then just have <laughs> just you know, slap his meat against other people's meat. That's all anybody really needs. <laughs> Um, he does <laughs> so uh, origin. They try to do a suplex 
a double suplex on the Rampage, but Rampage turns the tables and suplexes them both at once. So Rampage is just wrecking shop in here. But then out comes Mark Haskins. And Mark Haskins and Rampage are fresh off of their uh, heated rivalry where they had a street fight, where there was coat hangers and thumbtacks and all that stuff. Um, but then you also have the element of so it was screw indie wrestling, which is one of the first big factions in progress was Nathan Cruz, Mark Haskins and Rampage. I feel like I need like a whiteboard behind me with red <laughs> yes. to like show all the, like, the interactions between these guys. You got screw indie wrestling. You got um, origin. You got the first three project progress champions in there. So there's a lot of progress history here. Um, so that the three screw indie wrestling wrestling guys face off, which is a fun little moment. Uh, Haskins and Rampage team up on Cruz. Then Haskins and Rampage trade shots. And then uh, eventually Haskins, he... <laughs> so Liguero goes for the C4L, which is a springboard DDT. But Haskins, like, runs after him, hops on the ropes with Liguero, and then does transitions into, like, a flipping powerbomb, sunset powerbomb, which is sick looking. Uh, Haskins, I mean, I'm, I'm becoming a huge Mark Haskins fan. I know at some point he gets an injury and is out on the shelf for a while, but what, what do you think of Haskins and his performance in this match? Yeah, like he's just the what he's he's one of the most crisp wrestlers that I've ever seen. Like, and it really yeah. shows in um, later in the match where it's him and where it's him and Skull that like those two together, the crispness, the technique that, that both of them have, and for a guy that's not really particularly built, he's he's, he's also super strong as well. Yeah, he's very believable. I like he's kind of comparable to Daniel Bryan in a lot of ways. It's kind of a bigger version of him almost. Yeah. Uh, but then next is Skrull. Marty Skrull comes out. So uh, and another another callback to history. So the first ever progress championship match was a fatal four way at chapter one. And it was Marty Skrull versus Liguero versus Nathan Cruz versus I think uh, was it Cole Cabana or somebody. It was somebody else. I forget who the fourth one was. But we got most of the first ever progress championship match in here at the, on this time at this point of the match. Yeah. Um, Skrull's in there. The villains here. Diving on everybody to the outside. Uh, and then out comes Eddie Dennis. Thoughts on Eddie Dennis's new ring attire? This 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 ring ring attire. So obviously it's uh, based upon the, the Welsh dragon. Um I don't mind it. Obviously. I don't mind it, but I but I think it looks nowhere near as good as this stuff that that he wears now. But <laughs> you have to, to, to remember at this point, Eddie Dennis was a weekend warrior, so he still was a head teacher at, at a school for the rest of the week and only wrestled on on weekends. And he only became pro wrestler like two, three years after, after this. So why put all your money into it when it's going to be a part-time job, eh? <laughs> when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. Might as well just get these Nickelodeon-ass singlets and just throw them <laughs> on there. Bright green, bright pink. Let's start up on it. It's, yeah, what's whatever. Eddie Dennis is fun to watch at this point, for sure. Um, at some point, Skrull, he goes for a, a, a tope onto Eddie Dennis before he, he can even get in the ring, but he counters it into a side slam. He catches him and hits a spinning slam onto the apron uh, in the ring. Eddie Dennis talk about guys that are strong. He does a, uh, he has one of the like Liguero and a follow a slam position. And then uh, Nathan Cruz jumps up and he has him in a smo and drop position. So he's carrying both these guys at once and then hits a smo and drop follow a slam combo, which looks sick. So good. Like, he doesn't look like he's capable of it, but he does it no, every He's so it's, lanky. It's amazing, yeah. Um, but then this match becomes a bit more geese 
So out comes Tom Irvin. <laughs> was it the geese 316 shirt? He comes out, chugs a beer, heads down to the ring. Stunner to Haskins, stunner to Skrull, stunner to Cruz, stunner attempt to Legero, but Legero counters. Um, but eventually Tom Irvin ends up countering something from Legero and rolls him up to eliminate Legero. Um, so now the eliminations start coming and then Cruz right after Legero gets eliminated by Tom Irvin. Cruz comes out of nowhere with a running kick to the head of Tom Irvin to eliminate Tom. That's not geese. That's not geese. <laughs> and then uh, out of nowhere, Eddie Dennis hits uh, the next stop driver onto Rampage, which is super impressive because he deadlift <laughs> deadlifted Rampage up, which is like a lifting reverse DDT. He, held, he actually held him up for like, like two or three seconds. Impressive. Rampage is a dense looking boy, so I'm sure that was... Uh, and that's another actual... Um, that was another big pinfall, um, like surprise pinfall. Well, he had that um, in the very first match with with, with either um, Dennis pinning Rampage was big for, for, Eddie, for Eddie Dennis. Yeah, which is even crazy because he's like you said, he's like a weekend warrior at this point. I guess he's still frequent on progress. So maybe it doesn't really matter. But um, he got a big win at Chapter 19 because he didn't he got eliminated from the, the tournament, obviously. But then they had like the losers bracket five way and he won that. So yeah, seemingly they're they're building him up. I like. I think we were talking about Noam Dar going over to TNA at this point. I'm I'm pretty sure that Andrews was part of that crew as well. So I think that that might be why they were trying to push the dead like Dennis here as a solo star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Andrews is. I think it was uh, it was a few chapters ago that he he had his last match against Eddie Dennis. So he's in TNA. He's he's Mandrews for the yes. time being, but he eventually comes back. Right, it's a progress. Yeah, yeah. I'm, didn't they book him as like um, a little bit like John Laurinaitis's old character where he had that like really little skateboard? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Mandrew's era of TNA is not my forte, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you. I was a little bit checked out at that point, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'll go back and watch it one day. I doubt <laughs> it. But um, but yeah, so uh, so then Nathan Cruz hits the uh, show stolen, which is a fireman's carry slam onto Eddie Dennis to eliminate him. So we're just elimination, elimination, elimination. So now we're just down out of the eight men. We're just down to three. We're down to Marty Skrull, Nathan Cruz, and Mark, ha- uh, Mark Haskins. Um, they do like a tower of doom deal, crazy kicks and moves between all three of these guys. It's just free for all. So nobody's teaming up and ganging up on anybody. It's just boom, boom, boom. Uh, the show stolen gets hit again by Nathan Cruz on the Marty for a two counts. Um, but then Marty counters, so he kicks out and then locks in a crucifix pin onto Nathan Cruz to get the win out of nowhere. So he eliminates Nathan Cruz. So now we're just down to Marty Skrull and Mark Haskins. And holy shit, this was uh, I would have I would have been fine just watching a, a 30 minute match between these two guys because they had, they had insane chemistry. Yeah, so. So absolutely unbelievable. Um, the match itself was. They're so good, and it's something that I don't think they went back to too often. Actually, it, it feels like something that was a bit of a miss if they didn't. Um, yeah, I, like I forgive them if they did, and I just have forgotten it. But I don't feel like it was a big thing, um, like 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 a feud with these two because yeah. they're just so good in the ring, um, and they're almost like mirror images. Not just the way that that they wrestle, but at this point, literally the same ring clothes literally the same mm-hmm. haircut. Yep. <laughs> like it, it, like it's almost like two doinks but way better 
<laughs> I didn't think that was going to be the comparison, but I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, it's like, uh, yeah, they both have black tights, black boots, black kick pads, pads, black knee pads, man buns. Like, you know, it's, it's mirror images of each other. Physiques are kind of similar and their styles are not super different either. So it was just uh, a really fun kind of clash of styles here, a clash of similar styles. But um, they had a funny moment. It was like the dramatic stare down, like they're sitting in opposite corners. They both are uh, spent from this match. But um, they get into it and they they go hard. So uh, Haskins at some point or Skrull, he goes for like a running Hurricane Rana. But then Haskins counters it into the stretch muffler. Uh, but Marty's able to get to the rope somehow. You have Haskins hits a, an FU for a two count. So we got at this point, we get a lot such a like a bunch of beautiful counters and transitions. Uh, Skrull goes for the chicken wing, but Haskins fights out of it, stomps him on the arm. We get a diving uppercut from Marty Skrull, and then Skrull hits the tornado DDT, keeps the hands locked, locks in the chicken wing, but Haskins counters it into a roll-up and gets the win. So Mark Haskins gets the win and uh, is the Thunder Bastard, the second ever Thunder Bastard. And then Haskins gets on the mic right after and he says, I'm not wasting any time. Whoever wins the main event, I'm challenging them at the next chapter. And we uh, we see that. So, yeah, good stuff at the end of this match for sure. Amazing. Um, I also love the fact that um, it really played into the match um, because uh, throughout the match, um, well, that like, like closing sequence, at least um, Haskins really went after Skrull's arm and it meant that he couldn't quite get the, uh, ch- the chicken wing on properly. And that played its part where he right. um, had it on and then he managed to squirm out and get the roll up. Uh, yeah. And watching Skrull, man, I'm just I'm so sad that he turned out to be a wanker because he's so fun to watch in the ring. Um, but yeah, good. Good to go back and watch some of the glory days, I suppose. It's, it's actually really interesting that last um, sequence, because at this point, Skrull's still a, like a chicken shit villain, like the sort mm-hmm. of villain that you can get behind because he's kind of so, so charismatic, similar to. Jericho in WCW or something. Um, right. But, and Haskins obviously has only really just turned face at this point. So, so there was quite yeah. almost a 50, 50 audience split in that final two, but they kind of really go op- opposite ways in not too distant pu- uh, future but with a, a hill, a very, very hill, um, mightiest girl and a very, very face Haskins. So yeah, this is the start of that. Yeah, I think everybody was just excited to see these guys face off because I, I think I don't think they've had any interaction so far in progress. And they're both guys with who are brimming with momentum, like the villain character is really starting to kick off here in Haskins and his new style yeah. and um, just organically getting over with the fans. So, it, yeah, just the power of them together feels very much like sometimes when you get an inter, a intercontinental feud that could easily be a world title, but like. It's right. the work rate match almost. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, nothing wrong with that either. Um, <laughs> but speaking of wankers, so we got a couple of them here. So we got the main event, the progress title, not the staff. The championship belt is on the line here in a no disqualification match. So we got the champion, Jimmy Havoc versus the challenger, Will Ospreay. So uh, we talked a little bit about the feud 
in the beginning here. And like we said, this is pretty much what the whole show is based on. Chapter 20, it's a milestone show. It's a milestone feud. And this is kind of the uh, the payoff here. So and I'll start, you know, Mark Andrews, when he won the first ever Natural Progression Series, he picked Osprey to be in the second one. Um, that's kind of where Osprey's momentum started. And this is all kind of shown in a video package on this show. Uh, Osprey would go on to win. He didn't win the the NPS, but he would win the first ever Thunder Bastard. And um, this kind of coincides with the rise of Havoc and, like I said, his 609-day reign, beating guys like you know, Dave Mastiff, Rampage, Mark, Mark Andrews, Zack Sabre Jr., a bunch of guys just being a, a right cunt for uh, this entire reign. And like we did, we we talked about it, the, that eight man tag where Osprey had that balcony spot onto a regression and uh, the previous meeting at chapter 17, where Havoc cut the top rope off. So Havoc or uh, so Osprey couldn't do the 630. And, and then all, all within this, there is a point where Osprey, I guess, didn't hit the 630 cleanly at some point and broke his neck. Right. Do I have that right? So I don't think he broke it, but it, but it got a stinger. Right, sure. right. Um, it was at like a, a, it was at one of the the very small shows. So it was almost like we almost lost Will Ospreay's whole career to a match that he probably was wrestling in front of about twelve people in Southern England somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. But uh, see, he's been very like gun shy to hit the six thirty. Like he would, he'll go up to the top rope and he'll hesitate, and then the opponent will take advantage sometimes i'll do like a shooting star press or something but he hasn't hit the 630 and geez at this probably like a year at this point yeah um then of course he would go on to win the first ever super strong style 16 tournament to earn this opportunity and uh even though jimmy havoc threatened to cut his head off if he showed up he still showed up so uh proper balls on this will osprey fella (laughs) And then we got the, we got the London riots as enforcers, obviously, and they're coming out with the, the APA uh, inspired was it RIP um, riots insurance and protection, but yes. it's like the same font. And then one of them's like putting on gloves. Like I absolutely, I absolutely love the story of riots being there to make sure that Havoc doesn't put put off any of his shit. But I don't really get yeah. it having an enforcer in a no DQ match. Like, what is there to enforce? <laughs> <laughs> that there's no decapitations maybe that would be only that would be my only concern but but even you know it's, it's weird because the havoc he sends regression back so he doesn't have regression out there but the london yes. riots are out there but i guess yes, maybe they're anticipating them it, getting involved when i was watching it i was like is it that he's kind of overconfident because he's been champion for 609 days and he thinks that, that he can do it by himself and that's kind of his, his like mental state yeah and yeah but then I watched the match after like six years or whatever that I haven't seen this match. And I realized that the reason that I think they did it is because it's actually showing the cowardice of, of his stable because they, because they didn't want to do like face-to-face showdown with the London riots. They mm-hmm. waited for the right time where they could come into the ring and do it from like the back. So like they're taking advantage, like, like classic heels. So actually I, I went into it thinking this is fucking stupid. And I was like, it's genius. <laughs> They completely turned me around. <laughs> that's wow. That's a really good call. Yeah, because it makes sense. It's like, why would you have your? Why would you have stupid ass Paul Robinson out there? What's he gonna do against the London riots if it's face to face? So yeah, it's like almost get their guard down a little bit. Get the riots like, oh okay, we don't have to do anything. We'll yeah, just yeah. stand out here, and then when they have their opportunity, 
regression attack. So yeah, it's a good point. Um, but yeah, you, you even posted a screenshot of this, the, the face off between these guys, like you have Havoc coming out there and his like Darth Maul face paint. And then you have, uh, like the really dramatic, like Assassin's Creed inspired, uh, entrance from Will Ospreay. It feels like a big fight, like a big fight feel here. And then they had this face off, like it's been building for over a year, like really good stuff here. I love the fact that, that when progress do like a big storyline, they try and pay off with like as much as they can. Like obviously, obviously they can't do like the pomp and circumstance of a WrestleMania show, but they can try and make it as like exciting for the people in the audience and watching at home just with the entrances. They did it with RJ Singh and Sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, those entrances were, were, were really great. And, and, and for this one here was really cool as well. Yeah, but even, you know, they're obviously a more a smaller company than like a WWE. But I mean, there's there's something to the intimate atmosphere that how everybody just feels right on top of you. And then they yes. do have like the big screen and the lights and all that stuff. So for what it, it's almost better in some ways, because it feels like almost more realistic. It's less of a spectacle and it feels like more of a fight in some ways. Did it come across to you watching that, like, ha- like how much that crowd was into this match? Like. I, like, I, like I was obviously there yeah. and, I, and I remember it just being incredible, but watching it back six years later, I was like getting goosebumps being like, wow, like that, like that is enough. Like we spoke about how great the storyline was and this, and this was the big payoff to it. And sometimes the big payoff to a really long storyline, like WrestleMania this year, mm-hmm. Lesnar and um, Roman Reigns, it was right. a great storyline. It was, it was fantastic. It was probably the best long-term storytelling that that, that company's done for many a year but the actual match itself was a bit of a letdown whereas this it really paid mm-hmm. off yeah for sure i mean because it's a no disqualification match and um quickly i mean they don't waste any time bringing out the plunder which is interesting because you know jimmy havoc his whole thing was like i came to progress to show that i'm a, a real wrestler and then you guys just kept putting me in death matches and you wouldn't let me show what I can do. So I guess the idea is like, well, fuck off then. I'm just going to do that. If you're going to, if you, if you wanted me and if you want me in death matches, I'm going to really death match it up. I guess it's kind of the idea here, right? Chairs, thumbtacks come into play at some point. Osprey. uh, So Havoc's beaten on Osprey. Havoc sits Osprey in a chair, puts thumbtacks in his mouth and then punches him in the face with it, which is a spot we've seen. I thought at least we, I think AW's done it before or something. Yeah, it was in um, it was in the Lucha Brothers cage match, wasn't it? Against the Young Bucks. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think even <laughs> the the short stint that Jimmy Havoc was there, I feel like he's done that before too. Probably. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's definitely that sounds, that sounds up. That sounds up his alley. It's definitely one of his kinks. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you would describe it? <laughs> But uh, oh man, yeah, yeah, tables and chairs get come into play. Like it's it's immediately just a fight. Um, I think Jimmy Havoc hits a a burning hammer onto a setup chair. I remember that, like that, like like th- like this match live was six years ago, and I've been to hundreds of progress shows since. And that's one of the the spots that watching live, I generally thought that I'd seen something horrific because the way that <laughs> yeah. because the way that Havoc's neck bent on that chair was horrendous i don't really know how he got up yeah no it's there, there are a lot of spots in this match that were kind of up that vein but um so there's tax strewed you know in the corner of the ring at some point will osprey hits a death valley driver 
uh, kind of into the tax. He, he didn't really hit into the bulk of the tax, but I'm sure it didn't feel nice. Um, <laughs> but it's at this point. So we got just chaos and it looks like a tornado hit the ring. Now's the point where regression comes out. So we got Zercher and Paul Robinson versus the riots on the outside. They're kind of just fighting each other. Um, I think eventually they just fight to the back, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's left just one on one. Yeah. Which I guess is the idea of the enforcers to neutralize that. So now, even though regression, they made their run in, they, they made their attempts to take advantage of it. Ultimately it's just left to a one-on-one situation, which is not what Jimmy Havoc wants. Uh, but still Havoc, he hits the acid rainmaker onto Osprey and only gets a two count amazingly. So Jimmy Havoc, I mean, what are you going to do when you get a two count with your finisher? Well, you got to hit your finisher to the ref. So that's what he does. <laughs> acid rainmaker to the referee. Um, table gets set up in the ring. It's like a, like a botched. It looked like, uh, Osprey was going for a superplex, but then they like lost their balance and just both went crashing through the table. Still, I mean, it's fine looking, you know, um, Osprey eventually gets up and then, uh, hits a shooting star press off the top because he still, he hasn't, he doesn't have quite have the gumption to hit that six thirty. And then follows that shooting star press with a red arrow. And this is how he won the super strong style 16 tournament against Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, but only gets a two count. So a new referee gets in there. Only gets a two count. Uh, Havoc hits a double stomp through Osprey through a table on the outside. Rolls him in the ring. Curb stomps him on the bottom turnbuckle. Which just looked gnarly. And still only gets a two count. So Osprey, you can't kill Osprey apparently. Uh but you can kill this ref because uh, another acid rainmaker to the referee. <laughs> it's like, how, how many referees do we have? Only two, apparently. Um, so this forces Jim Smallman, who's ringside, of course, to take over as the referee. And this is very interesting if you've been following the arc of all of this, because when Jimmy Havoc initially won the Progress Championship, Jim Smallman was the one that had to make the count. So there's kind of a full circle moment there. And uh, so Smallman's in there as the acting referee here. Another acid rainmaker to Will. And another kick out. So this guy's impenetrable, apparently. But maybe something that could just do the job is an axe. So out comes the axe. And so Havoc pulls an axe from under the ring and uh, sets Will's head onto a setup chair. So he's going to, um, fuck, what's the, the Game of Thrones guy? The, the guy gets his head cut off. Do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't watch Game no. of Thrones. I, I only watch wrestling. What is Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the baby face in Game of Thrones? Um, but yeah, so he sets up his, Will's head on the chair, looking to uh, decapitate him with this axe. But Will fights out with a low blow and then hits the acid rainmaker onto uh, Havoc and then hits the os cutter. And then Osprey goes for the Essex Destroyer, but is countered into another Acid Rainmaker from Havoc. And then you're thinking, man, that's got to be it. Well, nope. Another two count. Um, I think Havoc goes for a, a Styles Clash, but it gets... Yeah. Does he hit it or does he get countered? It, it gets countered, um, yes. It gets countered by Osprey. And then Osprey hits the Essex, Essex Destroyer <laughs> and then goes to the top rope. Finally, after over a year of going up to the top rope and uh, shaking and not being able to do it, finally hits the 630, hits it perfectly, 
gets the one, two, three. We have a new progress champion, Will Ospreay. And Jim Smallman's the one that makes the count. Full circle moment, like I said. Locker room empties. There's a beer bash. There's people jizzing and throwing streamers all over the place. Really, I mean, this is a great payoff to a long feud, I thought. And that pop, eh? Yeah, it was a uh, relatively uh, decent pop, I would say. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, Quite the reaction. Another little tidbit of like how well the story was told as well was um, on uh, Osprey's um, uh, tights on the on the back was the hashtag jump tuck pray, which is what yes. um, the crowd would would chant when he would go for the six thirty for the last year, and he would do the wobbling on the on the ropes and really try and g himself up, but he couldn't bring himself to like do it. So another little mm-hmm. nice little touch there as well. Yeah, yeah, it really kind of get, let the fans get behind him and give him the encouragement to finally hit it. Um, so I guess that was kind of the catalyst for him to finally go for it and uh, gave him the win here. So really yeah. good stuff. And uh, and there's another great little bit there as well where Havoc is left by himself finally after after years of having the group by his side. Like he would always have someone if it was just one person to help him. Like finally, he's by himself. Right. It, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's always something. There's always something to get that dastardly havoc a win. But uh, everything was neutralized, and Osprey had 700 people. Yeah, at his back. So <laughs> I guess I guess he, uh, he needed that many people to win. So what the hell is this Osprey doing? 701 versus one isn't fair, right? <laughs> no, yeah, that's the shits. Yeah, this guy didn't deserve this win at all. If he gets a rematch. <laughs> but, but yeah, man. Uh, that brings chapter 20 to a close. There any other overall thoughts on this, this milestone show? Um, it just made me miss, like, well, not miss, but like British wrestling at, at this point felt special. And it was to a point where people like yourself probably started to hear about progress, but was around about this time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And you could see, I mean, it's the people involved that were watching, I mean, even if you've never seen a progress show, you probably are at least familiar with most of the people on this card. So it's just a testament to like the success people would have after this and it's a testament to the quality of the shows in this time period. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously we have Osprey, who holds every damn title outside of the WWE and AEW, um, among other guys. And NXT UK is full of these guys, of course. So really good stuff there. And um, I mean, I would say this show is pretty fun but speaking of fun speaking of wrestling speaking of should be <laughs> wrestling should be fun <laughs> well first of all ross thanks once again for uh hopping on here for a little nostalgia trip for you talking about some progress wrestling where can everybody find you and res- the rest of the wsb gang yeah sure so we are uh twitter we are wsbfun um we've got a fair few followers there and then our friend dom runs the instagram account um so the uh, instagram account is at wrestling should be fun the instagram the instagram account largely is used for when we do our um live shows so when we go to watch pro- the likes of progress or rev pro or, or, mm-hmm. or wherever it is um we'll be going to the clash at the castle in uh october which will be fun Ooh. <laughs> yeah um, good old time you guys get one pay-per-view a decade yeah <laughs> so enjoy um, it. so yeah um instagram is where we um have like our live um 
footage, and then Twitter is where we're everyday shit posting. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Dom's fault, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be having him on a a very I think either right before this or right after this. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm gonna have him on for a little little Ring of Honor action. Ring of Honor action, yeah, sure. And I saw actually that that not only is it wrestling should be fun that you're having on that you're gonna have right um Riley Reed on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still working that out. She hasn't gotten to me quite yet, but I'm. Uh, she probably she's probably busy. She'll probably read my tweet eventually. Trying to tempt her with some Sandman action. <laughs> <laughs> is that a euphemism? <laughs> Once again, thank you to Ross from the wrestling should be how oh, you cocksucker. I catch clawed at my elbow. Stop it, Ross. You're not a cocksucker. That's not what I was saying. Um, go check out the wrestling should be fun podcast wherever you listen to podcasts all their info in the description below what else i got for you apronbump.com for all my full episodes all my merch rate the rate the show review the show you know circumcise the show whatever you feel you need to do to show your support or your anger you know it's, it's whatever uh go go do that uh you know or don't i'll go fuck myself but yeah, that's about all I got for you guys today. That once again, do you do you fucking do you have something to say? Come here, Dwayne. Come here. Come here, buddy. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got to say to the people? Yeah. You fat piece of shit. Thank you all so much for listening. I adore you all. Um, I guess, I guess I got to make like a pun. I don't want them. I don't want to make this a thing, but you know, past couple shows, I end the show with like a pun, you know, related to the show title. And I always come up with something, but like here, like I'm in you know, progress. I, I'm, I'm struggling chapter 20. It feels like there's nothing there really, you know? Um, I mean, on, like really, I'm, I'm just not funny enough. I think, um, but I'm, you know, I'm making progress on it. I'm hard. <laughs> Damn, you fucking got my elbow. Shit. Yeah. In the hardest, talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you the hardest. Standing strong and proud of it. And I guess this gets started. It's the hardest.